Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. There's a couple things I love in this world, chocolate being one of them, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. I love when we go to do worship and I hear us more than I hear the singers on the stage with a microphone. That I love. I also love, I do, I do, I do really like chocolate, but that isn't what we're here to talk about. Here's the other thing that I would say I love. The last couple weeks, I know that I came to church. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Why? Because I was here and you weren't. But let me correct one thing. I came to a building the last two weeks. This morning I came to church. So hey church, welcome to the building. It is so good to see everybody. For those in our online community, we are grateful that, uh, that you're still joining us, that you're, you're with us online. If you're able to join us in person, we would always love you to be here. But if not, we are grateful. I know we have people that watch from different states, from, different, from around the region every single week. And so I know logistically you can't always be here, but if you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you uh, stop by. We're going to continue a conversation right now that we've been doing. It's called Walking Into the New. And in in order for the post-production team to be happy with me, can you do me a favor? Just clap real quick. Hey, we're going to continue our conversation on the new... I ruin it every time. See, you guys did great, and I felt cheesy, so there it is. And let's see him splice this one in. We're going to continue our conversation and walking into the new. This is week number four. If you haven't had a chance to be with us, that's fine. We've been talking about the same thing the whole time, and that is you walking into a new day. So let's clarify a couple things. Number one, this is not a self-help sermon. Although it's happening in January, and many of you have tried to self-help yourself. And here's why I say that. You started a New Year's resolution January 1st because something magical happens at the beginning of the year. All the energy, all the drive, all the determination that you needed to start something in the past that you never had the energy to drive or determination, somehow, magically, on January 1st, it would show up. So you started your New Year's resolution. And statistics tell me this, 23% of you failed in the first week. Another statistic tells me that 43% of you will fail by the end of January. So congratulations, we are a group of losers joining here today. A group of failures joining here today to say that it can't be just up to us. And so as we walk into the new, this isn't a self-help sermon, but this is a sermon that could maybe help yourself. If we start understanding why is it that we always fail when we move into the new day. And the reason you fail that we move into the new day is because we move into an old, a new day with an old mindset. Well, why would you say something like that? So we've been talking about these guys called the children of Israel. If you've heard them say amen. I, I don't know why I did that. You're with me. You're awake today. I, I already know that. 
And so the children of Israel, they were in captivity, and we actually see in Exodus 12 that they were in captivity for 430 years. While they were in captivity, they started to think like Egyptians. They started to look like Egyptians. They started to act like Egyptians. They even work like the Egyptians. Some people would say they walk like the Egyptians. And so, <laughs> sorry, I know, I know, that was all me. That was me. That wasn't even written. That showed up right now. <laughs> Steve, the song is stuck in the head the rest of the day. That is my role, my job, my opportunity to give you things on a Sunday morning. Hopefully it's something other than that. But after 430 years, God was saying, listen, I want you to walk away from the Egyptians like the way that I have a desire for you to walk. And so after 430 years, the children of Israel, they were going to be moving away from Pharaoh. And it says in one scripture, and we covered this, and we'll, I'm going to summarize the last three weeks for you in just a second. But in one scripture, it says that they boldly walked out. And two scriptures later, it said that they were afraid for their life. Why? Because when you have the wrong mindset, trying to move into your new day, we will, we will fall back, we will retreat to a previous belief system that served us well, or we at least think it served us well. But the fact is, the wrong mindset leaves you a slave. The wrong mindset leaves you in captivity. The wrong mindset allows someone else to be your owner as you're subservient to them. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to help you understand that you need a new mindset to move into the new day. And we see that God can do that both individually and as a group. Individually, we see that it happened with Moses already. Now he's trying to take a group of 600 men, not counting women and children. So the round number that we've been using is about 3 million people leave Egypt. And upon leaving Egypt, Egypt gave them gold, gave them silver, gave them clothing. They, uh, I would say this. God took care of back pay. Let me go ahead and throw this thought out for you. So as a slave, I'm sure they're not making prevailing wages with a 401k retirement and full health insurance, including dental and vision. Can, can you, I mean, if you don't believe that, go and read that when Pharaoh got mad, he made him still make bricks without hay. I don't know what that means, but that sounds bad. So... <clears throat> But for 430 years, these slaves all of a sudden are leaving, and God made sure to give them the back pay that they were due. And so if he did it once, he can do it again. So now the children of Israel, they all leave. And as they're leaving, we covered this in week number one, and I want you to remember this. God is interested in your freedom. If you are struggling with something, if you're in a place of captivity, if you're in a place where you're feeling like a slave to the lender, a slave to your addiction, a slave to your belief system, a slave to the past, a slave to a pain, a slave to a rejection, if you believe that, you need to know this. God wants you to be free. He has no desire for you to live under that condemnation. Has no desire for you to leave, live underneath that belief system. God wants you to be free. And as God takes you on the path of freedom, know this. Don't trust the path. Trust the journey. I'm going to go ahead and if you're new to Jesus, let me tell you this. You can always come up with a faster, better, more efficient way than him. Because he takes the long road 
every time. Now, I know I'm not supposed to up here and use definitive phrases like every, so let me say it this way. Every time (laughs) he does the right journey for us, whatever that path may look like. And so no matter where your journey is going, just remember the ultimate is for you to have freedom. Why is it that the journey is going to look different than where, what you think? Because if you knew how to get yourself to freedom, you would never need God. Oh, and by the way, if you knew how to get to freedom, you probably never would have taken the path that you did that brought you into the captivity that you're currently living in. So the reason why we have to trust that God wants us to be free, trust the journey, not the path, is because God wants us to see his strength through our weaknesses. By the way, if you missed week number one, there it was. You don't have to go back and rewatch it. But then in week number two, we decided, even though this is not a self-help seminar, we decided there needed to be a couple things in your life that you need to have walking in, uh, into the new day. And number one is, you have to have a positive mindset. Why? Because our life is going to go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Your life will go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if your strongest thoughts are negativity, when you wake up in the morning, do you go, oh, what a great day to be alive? Or do you wake up in the morning and go, oh, I got to face the day again? One of these are going to lead you to a path of either positivity or negativity. And so your life will go in that direction. So to be able to get God's perspective on this, we have to know this. There's a chance you will have to forge a new path, or can we say it this way, a new way to think in your life. Because that stinking thinking, yep, that's how long I've been at church. I can pull out bumper sticker statements like that. But if you live with stinking thinking, don't be surprised when you have stinking life. That's it. I can make a prediction for you. For the next week, I'm going to try an experiment on my wife. Thank you. I appreciate that. Namaste. So I'm not sure I can do namaste in church. Okay, here we go. For the next week at home, I'm just going to let my wife know everything I don't like. A brave man, thank you. Do you feel like I should stop this experiment now? You know, let's workshop it for a minute, just us. You know why? She's with the NAV kids right now. Parents, don't worry. You have an amazing teacher over there. Actually, you have an amazing teacher every single week. NAV kids leaders are amazing over there. And so, but my wife's there, so it's the best one today. Um, <clears throat> humble brag. See, here I can be positive, but at home, I'm going to do this. I just want to see if I can change the environment of our house. Oh, I'm going to change. Do I have to keep going with this? We're all on the same page. How about I not do this experiment this next week? God, I can learn and I can be taught. But here's when I know this, that if I decide I'm only going to spread negativity at home, would anyone be surprised if I'm on the couch next Sunday? (laughs) That she'll be on the couch. (laughs) No, I'll be on the couch. And so... We sometimes have to forge a new path because unfortunately, either by our upbringing, either by our teaching, either because it was modeled to us, we have a certain way to think. And what God is saying, I know that you've lived in this Egypt thinking long enough, but I need you to forge a new path because when you forge a new path, when you forge a new thinking, you can have a new destination. 
You can have a new destination in your finances. You can have a new destination in your health. You can have a new destination in your marriage. You can have a new destination with your kids. So sometimes we have to forge a new path. How do we forge a new path? We covered this last week. Number one, you have to have a clear plan. And by the way, you're like, you said this isn't a self-help sermon, but all you're doing is giving us self-help. Well, no, I'm, I actually am just reading from the Bible and seeing what God had him do. Because God actually had him go into a place, not where they should belong, and then turn their back on the promised land. So, so number one, they're forging a new path, and it's not the path they thought they should take, but they have to trust God in their journey. So now all of a sudden, they're facing in the wrong direction. But God said, the reason I'm going to do that is I'm going to harden their heart. I'm going to prove to you. God had a very specific plan in their life in order for them to walk it out. If you want something new in your life, you need to have a plan. Hope is a wonderful strategy for our salvation, but it's horrible for everything else in our life. Well, I hope my finances change. They won't. I hope, I hope, I hope I lose weight. No, no, those Twinkies are going in faster than your prayers are coming out. Like, it doesn't work that way. You don't hope like that. We hope in Christ, but everything else, let's have a plan. How do you get a plan? Find someone that is living the life that you desire, and you go to them, and you say, can you tell me how to start thinking like you do? I don't see you and your wife wanting to kill each other. Can you tell me and my wife how not to kill each other? And they're probably going to start with this. Don't go home with a week-long experiment on you being negative. And you go, okay, that's a good one. I should try that. So, like, we need to find these people. Why? Because amateurs learn from mistakes. Professional learn through coaches. And so how about we stop being amateur Christians and we be professional Christians and we start finding people that already understand the principles that Jesus and the Holy Spirit have laid out for us. And we start walking those. So we have to have a very clear path. Number two, you have everything you need now to move into the destiny that God has you. And we talked about Moses and his staff. But most of us, we do this. We play the if I game. Well, if I had a little bit more money, I could start living on a budget. If I had a little more time, I could start working out. If, if I have a wife that would have a different love language, if I had a, different, a wife that talked the same way I did, it, you never will. You know why? You're a guy. She's a girl. There are two different genders, and they speak different languages. One is respect. One is love. And you have to start learning how to speak the other person's language. Isn't it weird to think that I was just controversial because I just said the phrase, there's two genders? So if I offended you, I apologize. I just choose to go with the book that I study and, you know, all of science. And so you have these two, and you do have to learn it. And in your life, what you need to know is you can't keep doing the if I game because if I game will leave you where you need to be. If we had a bigger army, we could get out of here. If we didn't have the Red Sea in front of us, we could cross it. If I, if I. Instead, you spend your life just being a dreamer. A dreamer is someone who is, uh, is out there exploring what the future has. You know, there's a, there's a fine line between a dreamer and a talker. Most of us are talkers. Dreamers are doers. 
And so you talk about the life that you want to live. Could you imagine the children of Israel after the 10th plague had gone by and that angel of death came through, they just sat there and went, man, we're going to get out of here one day. One day is today. If you want a different life tomorrow, you need to start changing something today. So we have to do that. And as we start following this very specific journey that someone has called us on, we can't let our vision get clouded. Why are you doing this? Because the person you're going to be next year is different than the person you're going to be this year. You ready for this prophetic word? February is coming. Right, hang on, I got another one for you. March is coming. January, February, March. April is coming. I have to start from the beginning. I got to give it a running start. Same way with my alphabet. Sorry. It's just next month is coming. The question is, are you going to be different or are you going to be the same? And then do that. You have to know this. Your victory only comes after your next step. The children of Israel, this was great. The first time. Uh, so here's what we need to do. We're going to have to take a quantum leap forward for today's conversation. Because what you see for the children of Israel is they come up to the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea, it it opens up and it says that the the priests had the covenant on their shoulder. Wait a second. Not on this one. Sorry. I'm just now putting the math together. Children of Israel come up to the Red Sea. This is the time of deliverance. The, the, the Red Sea opens. And sorry, camera, I know I'm walking all over the place today. Just follow me a minute. Now they all of a sudden they come across and they're on the other side. The waters crumb, fall back in. And after the waters crumble back in, all of Pharaoh and his army has been drowned. And you see this in Exodus. The children of Israel break out in worship. They give the worth to who it's due. Moses had nothing to do with this. They had nothing to do with this. This was all God. But then we fast forward for 40 years because it takes time. We all need to hear this. It takes time to get the Egypt thinking out of our head. So if you ever step out to try to change something in your life and all of a sudden a week later you find yourself back to where you've always been, that's fine. Don't stop on this journey of freedom. Recognize, hey, this isn't the way that I want to think anymore. When my kids say something and I'm used to blowing up at them or I'm used to shutting down and retreating or I'm used to, I don't want to live like that anymore. But guess what? There is a chance, a small chance, that if you're trying to better interact with your children, there's a small chance you won't do it perfect next time. I feel like I need a parent in here to help me with this last statement because right now I'm up here by myself. Okay, so help me out here. So parents, there's a chance if you want a new way to interact with your kids, there's a chance the next time it happens you fail and you might just blow up a little bit. You might just get a little red face with that vein showing up or popping up here. It might just get a little hot underneath the collar. But here's what you're thinking. I don't want to live like that. And so it may take time like the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years to get free. Walking into your new day doesn't mean you fully walk into your new promise. Walking into your new day means that you're just walking into your new day with the mindset that I want this old mindset gone and the new mindset here. But then something interesting happens because we're going to, in second, we're going to take a jump forward for 40 years because the children of Israel were going to cross another sea. But there's a 
big difference this time. And this time is the children of Israel were told to put the Ark of the Covenant onto their shoulders and they were told to start walking into the waters. See, the first time the sea parted, they walked up to it and God opened the door. How many, when you were brand new Christians, some things seemed to happen real easy for you? You could hear from God with no problem. New thing. You would pray for gas to be in your car. And before you got in there, it's like, it's a have a take now. I thought I was at empty, right? Like, just things happen. But over time, as we mature, God starts allowing us to be more part of the process. So this time when the children of Israel went to walk through the, the, the Jordan, they had to start walking in. And I love this part about the Bible. It doesn't say how far the priest went in. Because we think that they stepped their foot down and as soon as they did, that water parted. And then they put their next foot and it parted. I don't believe that. Here's the God that I've experienced. They started walking in and nothing happened. And then they walked a little further and it was up to their knees. And then they went a little further and went, you sure, <laughs> sure about this? <laughs> I have a question. Has anyone ever walked up to the point of the water? Or you're like, God, I'm going to trust you that you're doing this. And all of a sudden, your eyes start kind of getting a little watery, and then it opens. I don't know how far they had to walk in, but they had to do their part to step into the new day. And if you're still sitting at home on the comfort of your, of your couch, or can we say this, on the beach before the sea, going, God, I just need you to open it. There's a chance God is saying to you, I just need you to step into it. There's a chance God wants to bring his power behind your faith versus his power growing your faith. And so now the children of Israel, they go to walk in the water, and ready for this, we're going to read the Bible now. We're, we are 15 minutes in, and I've referenced the Bible, but I haven't read the Bible, and you need to know this at Navigation Church. We love the Word, but this is one sermon over four weeks, and so here's today's sermon. Today's sermon starts just now. Here it is. Joshua 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Wait, hang on, where are we at right now? We're at the end of the story that I just told. They crossed over the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his Egyptians were all drowned. Forty years later, they're now crossing into the, into the promised land. So the children of Israel, Ark of the Covenant on their priesthood shoulders, they have now walked into the promised land. And God goes, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe. So we got the, the 12 sons. They each have a tribe. And he goes, tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And so Joshua called together the 12 men who uh, he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, each, each of you. Uh, is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordans were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I might have mentioned this once, but I'm going to say it again. This is not a self-help sermon. 
This is not a self-help series. Here's what this series is. It's a series on worship. Because at this point in our lives, we need to have memorial stones that we can go back to and remember the goodness of God. We need to have places of gratitude. I don't know if you remember this, but in January, at the very beginning, I said you may want to start a gratitude journal. You may want to have something that you can go back to. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm getting another prophetic word. Here it is. There's going to be some tough times ahead. Life isn't always going to be perfect for you. There's going to be some times where you have a perfect plan that it completely falls apart. And I hear people say, it's rocked my faith. Actually, if it rocks your faith, you should go back to the rocks of your faith. And you could go, he did it once, he will do it again. This is the place of my freedom. This is the place of, I find it so interesting that I did a massive leap forward today by 40 years. I've been talking about Joshua this whole time. Or I've been talking about Moses this whole time. Moses this whole time. Moses is dead. As the children of Israel get to this part, it's now Joshua. And the reason I wanted to take a massive jump forward is I think many of us, by the way, I'll put myself in this category, I think we have a very finicky faith depending on what has God done for me lately. And and by the way, here's how I'm going to say this. Do you know that the average church over the time of COVID dropped at least 40% in attendance? Is there a chance that we forgot what this thing's all about. And it's not about coming here and doing, it's about connecting with the guy who did. And so the reason we took a massive gem forward is because one of the greatest ways to secure your faith long term is to look over a long period of time of how faithful God is. Because can I tell you now, there's a chance I'm going to wake up tomorrow and get one phone call and go, man, I question God. But then I stop and I look back over my history and I go, what was that pile of stones? That was when God freed you from your alcoholism and found you a new path for you to forge and be able to get through it. What's that one before? That was when you were with your mom and daddy's church and you weren't sure if God was real and God showed up faithful to you and you no longer serve mommy and daddy's God. You serve your own personal God. Well, what is that one there? That was in high school. You remember you injured your back real bad. You went to a worship service in Alton and you started worshiping to the point where the brace that I had on my back, I started running around the building because God had so freed me from it. Those are my memorial stones that when I get this phone call today, I can look back over time and go, God was faithful. 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 We have to stop. We have to stop living our next life Like God is the ATM of our spirituality, and how much can I get out of you? You know, ATMs only work because of what you put in it. But yet most of us are trying to take withdrawals from a deposit that we never gave. And so God is calling us to have these long-term things. And it's interesting because if you go on and continue to read about Joshua, he says to them that you're going to go into places and you're going to drink from uh, wells that you didn't dig. You're going to eat from gardens or you're going to live in homes that you didn't build. You're going to eat from gardens that you didn't plant and you're going to drink from vineyards that you didn't build. 
So I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. What God said here is that if you live for a certain amount of time in a place of a certain level of prosperity, there is a chance you're going to forget why you got there. So why do I say that? I think as a nation, we have been living for a certain amount of time with a certain level of prosperity, and I personally believe that we have forgotten why we got here. And the reason we got here was we were, at, and I know you want me to say that we were founded on a Christian, this was a Christian nation. No, we were a nation founded by a bunch of guys that had a biblical worldview. And that biblical worldview was the architecture that we built upon. And I am thrilled as a nation that we have grown. I am thrilled as a nation. I am thrilled that we've moved past slavery. I am thrilled. I might have thought we got a little amen on that one. Like, like, I need to come up with 10 other examples that we have matured and we have grown and we have evolved past that. I am thrilled. But when we start evolving past our purpose that God created us for, I think we're forgetting who the God is that created us. And so we as a people, the reason you have to have memorial stones in your life is that if you push into God and receive his blessings, it is built in, inherent in us to forget the one who gave us the blessings. So God is screaming it to the people, set up a place of gratitude, set up memorial stones that you can go back to, because if you live your life in the prosperity that I'm about to give you, there's a chance you're going to forget why I put you here. God didn't give us money. God didn't give us a house so that we could have more money in a bigger house. Although, let me be very clear, I have no problem if you do. If you are generous, if you are stewarding your money, I could care less. If you come to me and say you have a problem with a pastor making too much money, probably not the one you want to talk to, right? Because I'm fine if you give me a raise. Like, like you just, nowhere in the Bible does it say not to be rich. Here's what the Bible says. There's rich people that are sinners and there's poor people that are sinners. There's rich people that are godly and there's poor people that are godly. But if our life is about just getting more and more stuff versus seeing it as a resource in order to bless other people, there will be a time that the God that gave us these wells that we didn't dig, these vineyards that we didn't plant, these houses that we didn't build, there will be a chance that we start looking back and thinking, Look at what we've done. Look at how good I've been. And by the way, the detriment is, if you live there long enough, you will forget to tell your kids how you got here. Why do I say that? Because God said, build up this uh, uh, memorial stone. And when your children ask, what was this about? We take our children back to these memorial stones and we share with them this is why we're where we're at and this is what you need to do i heard and i and, and i can't remember who it was um uh, uh he's a he's an he has an investment brokerage uh no one of the richest guy warren buffett i believe he said this phrase one time i'm going to give my kids enough where they can do anything but not so much that they, they can't do anything. Or they can, I'm going to give them enough where they can do anything, but I'm not going to give them so much that they won't do anything. 
I need to bring my kids back to these altars to show them why we're standing here today. I need to bring them back. And then, by the way, just talking church for a little bit, like, hey, hey, sons, you're hearing that we're about to get a new building and we're going to find a new place to go and God's going to provide our needs. But can I bring you all the way back to this altar here? This is Papa's altar. When he was at the church, And on a Sunday morning, he actually made this announcement. If you go to a bank and they offer you a free pen, please bring it. We are even out of stationery. That's where Papa, that's where my dad's church got to the point. They were so financially hurting that God was doing something in their life. But son, Judah, Gideon, Silas, Mariah, let me tell you what Papa did. And by the way, now we're standing here and you go, well, dad, the church has money and we're looking for a new place. Hang on, hang on. I may be living here now, but I can't forget that God was faithful there. Because if so, I could be standing here and going, look at the church that David's building. No, no, no. You don't want me. You want Jesus. Feel free to talk to me. That was too loud of an amen over here. I heard it somewhere. I heard it over here somewhere. But it's true. It is true. Don't base your life off of me. Base your life off of Jesus. Just let me tell you about him. But if we get to the point, now all of a sudden, the next generation takes over the church and we have a bigger building and there's more people coming. And all of a sudden, one day, they think, wow, we really know how this is done. No, you don't. Because you don't know how to part the waters. You don't know how to split the seas. All we know how to do is build a memorial to the God who did it for us. And so it's on us to take back. And so I believe, this is my personal belief, I believe one of the things that we're seeing in America right now, we are failing to transfer the truth of previous generations. If you think as a nation we're entitled to riches, let's go back to the greatest nation that ever lived and ask them. I still remember grandma and grandpa's basement being filled with everything that they could get their hands on because they lived through the Great Depression. I remember one time with Grandma, we were doing a VBS. How many remember what VBS is? Yeah, Yeah. VBS, where every parent can have a vacation while we babysit your kids. And so (laughs) you wonder why we don't do it. Can you do me a favor? Say amen real quick. I remember one time I said to Grandma, we were looking for uh, toilet paper holders, the, the cardboard inside of toilet paper. They were going to do some little craft. And we said, Grandma, do you happen to have any of these? She said, no. And we said, well, over the next month, if, you know, use toilet paper. I don't, it sounds crude the way I'm saying, like, we need toilet paper for things. Grandma passed away a couple of years later, and we were cleaning out at her, her garage. And on one shelf, we found an entire shelf full of toilet paper cardboard. Because from that day forward, she started collecting it. But then my kids, we get one little hole in the sock and we go throw it away. It's cheap to go up the street and buy more. What they did needs to be remembered by us. And what we do needs to be remembered through our kids. And what our kids need needs to be transferred to the generation before. And it doesn't happen because of our memories. It happens because of our memorials. It happens because we intentionally have these places that we can go back to and we say, look what God did for us. These places of gratitude. This morning while I was getting ready, I felt like I heard God say something to me. And I actually said to God, I go, hey, if I remember it during, I didn't write it down. And so this may be for someone sitting here, but I think this is for someone in our online campus. 
you thought you were living in a promised land, but you found out that you were actually living in Egypt, and God has currently moved you into a desert. But I'm telling you now, where everybody else views it as a desert, you are going to view it as God revealing who he is in powerful ways, in trusting ways, in revelatory ways. And your desert season will be short because you are ready to move into your promised land. And your promised land won't look anything like Egypt, but you will be fully equipped for what God has for you. So you know what? If you're here right now and you feel like you're in a desert season, can I just, can I just pray for one second? Holy Spirit, I lift up anyone who feels like they're in a desert. They can't get the refreshing drink that they're looking for. You're, you even feel like you're in a desert because the life that you always had is in such turmoil that it's either kicked you out or you've removed yourself out. But I just pray right now that you don't view this desert land living as a time to turn your back on God, but it's a time to see God new in a powerful way. I pray in this desert living that it actually says that the children of Israel, that their shoes didn't wear out and their clothes didn't disintegrate because God sustained them. I pray for sustaining power of Jesus Christ in your life in this desert season in the name of Jesus. I pray for the friendships that need to stay, that they stay, but the friendships that have an old mindset that's going to try to take your journey in a different pathway. I pray for the God to sovereignly and graciously separate those relationships in the name of Jesus. And I pray as you are living in your desert, you're not waiting for the promised land to build a most more memorial stone to God, but in the desert land, you are already building your memorial stones. You're building that place that God touched you once and he will do it again. I pray that tears that you have shed over the last month, I pray that those tears turn to tears of intercession. Tears where you start crying out to God versus yelling at God. Tears that start sowing the dry desert ground that you're, that you're walking on, those tears are going to start sowing it with nutrients and moisture. And the very tears that you are sowing out are going to be tears that are fertilizers to the future that God's calling you to. Actually, God, let's, I'm sorry, we're going to keep praying here for a minute longer. God, God, thank you for the desert. Thank you for the dry places. God, I thank you that when I, I can't find you, that when I can't hear from you, that I feel like all is lost, and why did you bring me out here just to die? Why did you take me from the life I have? Why did you take me from the, the, the money, the job, the security? Why did you put me here? God, I, I thank you for the, the desert places right now. Because in those desert places, God, we get the opportunity to see you in a way that we never could have in our comfortable houses, in our retirement homes, in our RVs traveling. God, we never could have seen you this way lest you moved us into this place of desert living. And so God, if we live in the desert or we move into the promised land, we worship you. 
But God, while I'm in this desert, what is it that I need to learn? What is it that we need to hear? What is it we need to make a part of us so that when we live in that promised land, it's just who we are? Help me remember with a gratitude-filled heart what you've called us to, God, and where you freed us from. Holy Spirit, right now, by the way, if you're with us, if you're watching online, just do me a favor, just stay in this attitude of prayer. I had a couple more thoughts that I was planning on sharing, but I just feel like there's a spirit of intercession here right now. And if we can't follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, what are we doing here? So right now, I'm just going to stop talking. I'm going to keep track. I'm going to stop talking for two minutes. And I need you to say this. Holy Spirit, where do I have Egyptian thinking? Just ask God, where do I have old thinking? If, if Egyptian is too Christian-y for you, just say this. God, where do I have old thinking? And you're going to see something amazing happen. I'm going to stop talking, and you're going to have a thought that you've never had before because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. So right now, ask God, where do I have old Egyptian thinking? Now ask God, what are we going to do about it? Admit to God that you're not strong enough to get rid of it. So you embrace your weakness to find his strength. I need someone right now, you need to declare you're not giving up. As soon as I said that, Someone started thinking, it may even be online, you started thinking, no, 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 I can't do this again, I can't do this again. Say, say right now, I have the strength to walk this journey one more time. Now take the next 30 seconds and just say, God, I'm stepping in my new day. Part the waters. Make a way. Start declaring to your future who's coming. And it's a faith-filled follower of Christ without addictions. It's a faithful, faith-filled follower of Christ without remorse and regret. It's a faith-filled follower of Christ that is ready for all of Egypt to die in the baptism waters of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we step into you today. We step into these waters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, for those in our online community, uh, we thank you for being here with us today. If you want to stay in the chat and interact with the uh, moderators and those there, 
if there's something happening in your life, may, we're, we're going to stop here in a second and all talk. But if you need to keep talking, please stay there. Make sure if you're a guest with us, let us know you stopped by. And we are so grateful. We're looking forward to next week. Next week, ready for this? We're going to start a brand new conversation. I think I'm doing six weeks on it. It's the power of no. And by the way, the next series is not a self-help series. <laughs> There's power in the word no. So through our online community, God bless. We'll talk to you later. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church Podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, know Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.